Mary Jane y bienvenido a este capítulo de Her Story. I had to break out my high school Spanish to do research on today's leading lady, so take this moment to be thoroughly impressed. Or cringe at any past or future mispronunciations, lo siento. This episode of Her Story is actually dedicated to my family friend, Mr. Cokes. I recently found out that he is an avid listener of this podcast, and that means the world to me. We recently had an amazing conversation about badass snipers, the practicality of killing abusive husbands during the Renaissance, and yes, you guessed it, my hilarious habit of never editing out bad words. Thanks for the support. You may be a Sox fan, Mr. Cokes, but we still love you. And that is what today's episode is all about. Love. Of country, love of self, and because it's cuffing season, the romantic kind. It is high time we do a story centered on a woman from South America. So today we are talking about none other than Rosa Campuzano Cornejo, la protectora of Peru's rebellion against colonial Spain. Although she was often at the, confined to the fringes of Peruvian society due to her standing, Rosa would use her influence, intelligence, and charm to become a successful spy, always waiting in the wings for her time to strike. Ah, Lima. A modern capital full of rich history, incredible food, and in the 19th century, simmering with rebellion. Way, way back in 1532, Francisco Pizarro and his Spanish army landed in Peru to conquer and plunder the Inca Empire. Tale as old as time. You can kind of see how it goes next. The Spanish conquered pretty much all of South America, minus Brazil, which was controlled by the Portuguese, and you guessed it, speaks Portuguese to this day, and called this vast new territory, <clears throat> read continent, Peru. So Peru used to be a lot bigger. Hence, where we begin our story. Rosa was born April 13th, 1796, in Guayaquil, which is in modern-day Ecuador, so technically she's Ecuadorian. Rosa's father was a wealthy Spanish cocoa planter, Francisco Herrera Campuzano y Gutierrez. Her mother, Felipa Cornejo, was of mixed ancestry, likely descending from a wealthy Spanish man and an enslaved African woman. Slavery was actually legal in all Spanish colonies until 1811, although Cuba would ignore the ban. And because of colonization, many people across North and South America today struggle against colorism and prejudice. Colonization still has its lasting impacts on societies, and that is especially true when Rosa was born. Although she is described as having fair skin and blue eyes, her ethnicity likely restricted her acceptance in Peruvian society. Some accounts say her father never even legally recognized her until his deathbed when he gave her his name, Cornejo. Aside from being drop-dead gorgeous, Rosa supposedly had an extensive education and was sharp as a tack, something she would put to good use very soon. By the time the 1800s rolled around, Spain was struggling to keep a hold of its territories, as support for liberation swelled among the people. Rose moved to the capital, Lima, in 1817 at age 21. There, she dazzled Lima's elite society and the tabloids when she became mistress to a wealthy Spaniard. A staunch supporter of Peru's resistance movement, Rosa used her newfound fame and beauty to start extracting secrets from Spanish loyalists. Basically, she flirted with soldiers in the Spanish army and made friends with the insanely rich to feed covert information to the growing rebel army. She had been involved in resistance since her arrival in Lima, once even being arrested and questioned for espionage. 
Thankfully, her social connections let Rosa soon be released. I don't know much about Peruvian tabloids or gossip, but this entire story is basically a giant gossip stream, so get ready for that. Tabloids apparently picked up on Rosa's relationship with Loyal's general, Domingo Tristan. Rosa was able to pass along military movements when two of his troops came to talk to Domingo in his home, apparently not at all worried that she was still there in the room. And their mistake. Rosa would basically, living in this general's house, had access to so much information and people that she could just funnel it all to the resistance. And because he had capital M money and social standing, Domingo threw lots of parties at his house. Often in attendance was Manuela Saenz, the lover of Simon Bolivar. I actually had to Google who Simon was. Basically, he's the George Washington of South America. If Washington hadn't owned slaves, had freed most of the continent from colonial rule, and actually became president of three countries, potentially. So that's pretty cool. Manuela was also a resistance spy, and she and Rosa became really close friends. You know how you and your girlfriends hang out at fancy parties on the weekend in order to plan how you'll overthrow the government? Ah, good times. Rosa and Manuela would pass out propaganda and pamphlets supporting the revolution in the town square under the cover of night, which was extremely illegal and very dangerous. Rosa was also supposedly a really big fan of reading banned books at a time when most women couldn't even read. We don't really know which books because, you know, banned. She did, however, denounce the Spanish Inquisition in 1818 because it banned books for any non-Catholic religion. Side note, anyone who burns books in history is the bad guy. It's a little research hack for you. So there you go, kids. Read banned books. Be rebellious. Break the rules. All that good stuff. Another fun thing, she may have actually been arrested for denouncing the Inquisition, which was, you know, responsible for all the, no, other religions and ideology books. But, again, released. You'll sense a common theme that most of this is gossip, speculation, or just historical records that I just did not have the resources to translate. But on top of being a literary icon, Rosa would rent out and furnish a safe house to hide resistance officers passing through Lima, she provided them with food and a lot of political gossip, along with troop movements before sending them on their way to the next mission. By some accounts, she even hid officers in Domingo's house while the rebels were on their way to the Patriot Camp of Juara. Speaking of this Patriot Camp, Rosa's most incredible feat, at least in my opinion, was getting well-known royalist commander Tomás de Eres to switch sides to fight against the Spanish, taking his army of 900 soldiers to join the ranks of the, rebe of the rebellion. Thanks to her, the rebels were able to inflict a devastating blow against the loyalists, both physically and emotionally. Rosa was such a good spy, her work caught the attention of the high, high ups of the resistance. And that's how she got an invitation to what was basically the city council throwing a party celebrating Lima's independence. By some accounts, the party was thrown in her honor, as it should be. There, she met her star-crossed secret lover, General Jose de San Martin. Let's set the scene. It was July 28, 1821. The night was hot, as was Rosa. Jose was so captivated by her that he went to another party the next night just to return the dance with her. 
the dazzling 25-year-old Rosa and the 43-year-old Jose began a passionate and not-so-subtle relationship. For example, Jose was dubbed El Protector because of his leadership within the armies of modern-day Argentina, Chile, and Peru in battling the Spanish over the Andes Mountains. It was her connection to Jose and Rosa's inhuman spying skills that earned her the title La Protectora. Despite having a wife, which people always seem to forget, Jose was incredibly devoted to Rosa. They avoided being seen in public together to prevent scandal because Peruvian society was very conservative, and having a publicly acknowledged mistress was a big no-go. At least when that mistress was Rosa, because she had already been mistress to a couple other people. Jose is very high up. It's just, it's a very traditional conservative society, so flaunting your mistress, big no-no. Still, the way everyone called her La Protectora, something must have slipped. Apparently, Jose de San Martin actually bought a house in the countryside for the two of them, La Magdalena. But their blissful romance only lasted about a year. Jose de San Martin established the Order of the Sun, a decoration for 112 women of Lima, including 32 nuns, who had been instrumental to the success of Peru's liberation. Basically, it was the most badass of badass, and I'm dying to know what the nuns did to get on there. Scandal ensued when Rosa Campuzano Cornejo was honored as one of the members. Well, she should have been, but basically everyone was mad because it was like he was flaunting his mistress, not acknowledging that she was actually a war hero, and Rosa was ostracized by society. Rosa's bestie and fellow badass by Manuela was actually also honored, so that's pretty cool. Jose would eventually leave for Buenos Aires after a disagreement with Bolivar about how to set up these new governments once South America was freed, or at least once the nations were freed. By some accounts, Rosa and Jose could barely say goodbye to, to each other. They were so emotional. Others say Jose didn't even say goodbye to her before he left. Bruh, pro tip, if breaking up with your girlfriend over text is a no thank you, maybe don't leave for another country without saying goodbye. Guys, please. <sighs> Next episode in this podcast is not even going to be about women. It's going to be a dating profile history. Do's and don'ts. Don't do that. Because of the scandal that ensued with Rosa's Honor of the Sun, she had to step out of the public eye for a while. In fact, the next time we see her to get a sense of what she's been up to, but ba ba surprise, it's another romantic affair. Don't you just love historical records kept by men? Rosa started dating a German merchant, Juan Weniger, in 1932. Juan apparently owned two high-end shoe stores on Calle Planteros de San Agustin, I believe in Lima. And the couple actually had a son who was baptized Alejandro Winnegar Campuzano. Unfortunately, when the couple split, Alejandro was taken by Juan, and Rosa was unable to be a part of her son's life. At some point, we believe Rosa married a man named Juan Adolfo Gavert, who abandoned her and moved to Europe. Gee, what is it with these guys? This all comes from her will, which is one of the only surviving records we have indicating that there was a marriage or apparently her existence. I know there's probably so much more that I just did not was not able to find. Anyone who actually studies Rosa Campuzano Cornejo's life, I'm sorry if I did not get enough details. My Spanish is just not that good, lo siento. So on top of all of this, cite three of her lovers leaving her, despite being just 
not even able to raise her son and being ostracized from Peruvian high society, which she's responsible for freeing from Spanish rule, Peru's government decided to just, you know, what's the expression? Um, it's not only like a step on toes, it's, um, you know when they, like, I don't know. Basically, just imagine you broke your mom's fine china and now you're spitting on it. That's what we have here. Peru's Congress overturned the awards given to the 112 women by San Jose de Martin, dissolving the Order of the Sun. With this title also stripped of her, La Protectora died nearly destitute at age 55 in 1951. By some accounts, she was able to reconnect with her son, Alejandro, who was with her at her death. Rosa Campuzano Cornejo is buried in the Church of San Juan Batista in Lima, Peru the city she dedicated so much of her life to freeing. Rosa's friend Manuela also suffered a similar fate. Manuela was exiled from Ecuador in 1835 because the president feared her past rebellious spirit and talents might be used against him. She also lived near destitute, but in the tiny fishing port of Baitia, selling tobacco and translating letters for sailors. Denied her inheritance upon her husband's murder and disabled after the stairs in her home collapsed, Manuela died in 1856, buried in a mass grave near Batia. Even in her exile, Manuela remained staunchly supportive of her revolutionary work. She even created the Society of Patriotic Ladies to recognize the work of women who fought for independence from Spanish rule. Today, both Manuela and Rosa are heralded as feminist icons, and Manuela was even given a symbolic burial in Venezuela in 2010 to honor her contributions, which passed through Ecuador, Peru, and Colombia ostracized for their romantic relationships and their incredible work for the revolution, Manuela and Rosa died shamed and dishonored by the nations they loved. Rosa's work as a spy has solidified her as a grand and historic figure in Peruvian history and in the battle against colonialism in South America. Her brilliance and persuasion helped overthrow Spanish control of Peru, and I think we can all agree she was one hell of a spy, deserving of the name La Protectora. Now we've covered a lot of different types of spies in her story. I have to recommend learning more about Policarpa Salvarita, a seamstress who smuggled intelligence from Colombia's own independence movement. Obviously, our episodes on female samurai and ninjas from last season, the American Civil Wars by Mary Jane Richards, and the Soldaderas of the Mexican Revolution is also a great refresher about how women dominate the espionage industry, enough to put James Bond 007 himself to shame. There's never a good way to end these podcasts, so I guess I'll just say what I always do. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it got you curious to learn more about female spies and the independence movements across the world. And I can't wait to see you next week for another woman who made her story. (laughs) 